everyone. You're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story. This is Chelsea. I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and we also have Ray Taylor again with us today. And we are still in Deuteronomy, and we have some kind of cool things that we're reading today. Some things stuck out to us. Right, guys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me like, what? cool what? things stuck out to you, Chelsea? <laughs> no, I'm asking you first. What stuck out to you? Uh, the thing that actually jumped out to me pretty quickly was uh, guidelines for a king. I feel like if you've done the Sunday school circuit or anything like that, been around church for a long time, it's like, <laughs> Israel was never supposed to have a king. They, why do they always ask for a king? So it's like funny that they're not supposed to have a king, but God's like, you're probably going to want a king. <laughs> this is what the king should do. Um, and if you read, it's just it's just that short little piece. It's like Deuteronomy 17, um, 14 to 20. It's just a handful of verses about what a king should do and if honestly, they have a king. not much. I mean, it's, it's like, not much. It's, it's, not, it's like, not much. But they, they definitely didn't do it. They're not, supposed right. to have, they're not supposed to have a bunch of it's wives. Like, guys, here are my three rules. And they're like, sounds nah. good. We're going to do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because it's um, they're not supposed to take a ton of wives. Uh I don't know if Saul had a bunch of wives. I'm I'm not actually familiar if he did or not, but I know David did, and I know um, Solomon did. And I'm sure he had more than one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just guys leave a comment or something. Tell me how many wives Saul had, if you know, and you you know that stuff. Um, but also, they were supposed to just like read these, like write these rules down and read them every day. Probably didn't do that. Um, and the really interesting thing to me is that. There's, there's another little bit about the priests and the Levites, and then right after that, it's about not using, uh, like not using mediums and seers to contact uh, dead people, and Saul does that. Like, like literally Israel's first king, that is one of the things that he does, and it's yeah. detestable to the Lord. So um, we, we will dig very deep into the whole idea of kings of Israel um, at some point this year. Yeah. But it, this is a not little too bit far of away. A, yeah, it's, it's, like not, it's not super far away. Yeah. Um, but this is just like a short little glimpse of what God says a king should be and how, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know, like they, they pretty much missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. I also kind of stuck out to me, um, these regulations concerning war is the heading, but the Israelites are supposed to offer peace to people, um, before they go in and wipe them out. Um, yeah, I noticed that too. They like, they have a chance to, you know, live peacefully and maybe even convert. And then also in our Bible, the word destroy um, it says that the Hebrew term actually also means um, consecration too. So it's not necessarily like going out and killing these people, but like taking them and consecrating them to the Lord. Speaking on that verse 18 in that same chapter, um, it will prevent the people from of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their God. So it seems to be like looking throughout this book of Deut- Deuteronomy, a common theme is idolatry mm-hmm. and not worshiping these people's lowercase gods. And not just that you shouldn't, but it's like I'm trying to protect you from a dark and undesirable past. Yeah. You know, so I thought it was pretty cool just throwing it out there in, cha- in chapter 16. Uh, At the end, uh, verse 13. Well, let me read verse 12 also. Uh, Anyone anyone arrogant enough 
to reject the verdict of a judge or of the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. And this way you will purge the evil from Israel, which makes sense. And then uh, everyone else will hear about it and be afraid to act so arrogantly. So I thought the word arrogant was really interesting that it was put in it. Like, just don't act arrogant and you'll be fine. Yeah, we see that. We've seen that a couple of times. We're just like, this is how you treat authority that God's put in place over you. Um, Part of it is not being arrogant, (laughs) like and rebelling for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, like, the scriptures are so interesting, especially the Old Testament. Yeah. Like, there's drama everywhere you go. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and without the Old Testament, I don't think we would be able to fully grasp just how holy God is. Like, and how that's, that's still applicable to our lives. That's a real thing, yeah. Like, the holiness of God is all over the Bible, but in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, man. Like, this is unlike any other person that I know or any other God that is around. Like, that's he good. is holy. That's good. <laughs> So I think a lot about, like, things in the Psalms where it's, like, bow down and worship and lay prostrate before the Lord. Not that those are, like, requirements, Mm -hmm. but just in the aspect of those things would be prompted by some. Not all, not Mm -hmm. all, but Mm -hmm. in terms of when I am in awe or in reverence of a holy God— who's present always and especially congregating. I wonder where we lost it along the lines of like, we lost this reverence for God. I've been thinking about that a lot. And like, it's one of the things I was like really hard on the students last night, but I was like, listen, like God doesn't just like want to be your friend. Like he's not just some like cool that's guy. Good. That's like, Oh yeah. Like Jesus is my friend. It's like, no, like he's your King. But th- that is, that's something that is like, I knew that. You know, like I, I knew to be like, oh yeah, sure. But like reading the Old Testament, it's like, no, like mm. Jesus is not waiting around for you. Mm. He does. There's always grace, but he's not like, oh, that's cool. Like, come on back. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like, this is how you should live. Yeah. And if you don't live this way, you'll be punished. Cause we were talking about Jesus in the garden. Mm. Um, just like the agony that he had of drinking mm. the, the cup of wrath. And I was like, mm. guys, let me tell you about the cup that Jesus is going to drink. Mm. It's like, mm. it's wrath. And anytime that God says, like, I'm going to pour out my cup on the nations, it's not a good thing. (laughs) You think about the disciples who actually were Jesus's, like, in the flesh, they hung out with Jesus. They were in awe of Jesus very often. I mean, it wasn't just always, like, palling around eating fish on the beach. (laughs) They were often just like, oh, my goodness, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is everything that we ever hoped and dreamed. Because they were were with him. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Are you really with Jesus and yeah. do you recognize his well, holiness? And I, I think a lot of those folks, their understanding of God was really shaped and formed by the Old Testament understanding. Like, I mean, obviously, that's what they were reading. Wow. Right. But, like, I mean, we were teaching um, in Core 4 last night, and students know a ton about the New Testament. They know mm. almost nothing about the Old Testament. Mm. And so just really trying to, like, push, like, guys, like, I know you think it's two books, but it's actually one. And the more you can handle it as one, the better off you're going to be. So another thought is along with the aspect of being his friend, like we are, right? Yeah. So we are his friend. Yeah. But if we're looking at it progressively, okay, the Lord, um, the Holy Spirit comes and awakens my soul, shows me, testifies of Jesus. I 
see it, and I'm like, okay, I want to follow this Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Romans 10, 9, wherever it says, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart mm-hmm. that Jesus is Lord, and the terminology there is like your your master, like your I'm, I'm, if I say I'm a believer mm-hmm. and I'm confessing and saying I want to give my life to Christ, I'm literally like, I now see that you're this person who I want to follow and lay down mm-hmm. my life to. Mm-hmm. And I believe in my heart that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, I believe I'm free, but like with that, okay, now you're up, you're, you're the post person I'm bowing to. Mm-hmm. Humbly, willing, willingfully, submissively, like desiring to lay down my life for. Mm-hmm. It's like my joy now. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that is the awareness of when we come to actually know Christ. Because I could say I, I knew Christ at age seven. That's when I got baptized. Yeah. But the first moment that I actually was like, okay, this Jesus is... Like, he did this crazy thing for me that I would never do for my, anybody, mm-hmm. not even my wife. Not, like, I I couldn't do that for my, my son. Like, like, but I would do anything for my But so, like, okay, now I want to follow him. And then the holiness of God or the reverence or the awe is kind of, like, forefront. Okay, how can I... How can I follow this this Jesus who loves me a lot, yes, mm-hmm. but desires for me to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's something that stuck out to me recently, like just staying at the cross. Yeah, there's this old hymn called uh, um, I think it's uh, at the cross. No, not at the cross. Near the cross. In Near the cross. The cross. Um, so it, in, in at the, uh, Jesus be my glory forever yep. till my ransom soul shall find rest beyond the river. <laughs> so it's Jesus keep me near their cross, whatever the title is. Those are the lyrics. And so <laughs> I've been thinking about that hymn and how it's like, oh, like I want to just be near the cross. If I'm near there, I'm always going to see he is greater, mm-hmm. you know, what can I, and then what can I do? To follow him more, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's good. I was thinking about <clears throat> this past weekend at church. We talked about um, being a living sacrifice, um, and I was thinking about reading all these Old Testament regulations re- involving sacrifice. And man, if, we're, if our lives are supposed to be a living sacrifice, I mean, I don't think God's expecting us to be perfect, but we should be like, if we're offering up our lives mm-hmm. as a sacrifice, it should be pleasing to the Lord. Like mm-hmm. looking at these. Again, regulations and decrees involving how perfect a sacrifice needs mm-hmm. to be. Um, I hope that what I'm offering up to God is a life that's aiming towards holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has to be like if you break down that verse, the beginning in view of God's mercy, the end of it, it's a reasonable service. So, and they're if they're looking at all of the holiness and of God. Obviously, we fail, but like in in looking at that, like the least that I could do 
is try to lay down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Covered by the grace of Jesus and walking towards God. Like that's, that's our living sacrifice. I think that's where the the tension comes in is that a lot of times we lead with, obviously we fail Mm. and instead of let's be obedient. Like mm. let's, let's have allegiance. And and some of it is like, wow. a, some That's of it good. is a swing. Like That's good. there's been Christianity with, without grace. Mm-hmm. It's like be allegiant now. <laughs> and so I think in some ways we've reacted and, yeah. and just been yeah. like, That's good. So yeah, it's definitely this tension that like only, <laughs> only a God like God can support that tension where it's just like, it's grace and it's mercy. It's like, mm. it's grace and it's, living Christ, like it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, the mystery of God, Mm -hmm. um, that he would accept what we have to offer. It's pretty crazy. So to summarize, there is (laughs) grace. Yeah. All throughout the old Testament. There is. Yeah. Yep. Bountiful. That is a theme we keep seeing. There's definitely grace all over the place. And mercy, Mm -hmm. even though they have to sacrifice a specific way, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's good. But anyways, well, guys, thanks so much for listening today. Um, can't wait to get back into it tomorrow, and we'll see you then. Bye. See ya. Deuteronomy 16, beginning in verse 18. Appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes in all the towns the Lord your God is giving you. They must judge the people fairly. You must never twist justice or show partiality. Never accept a bribe, for bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. Let true justice prevail so that you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You must never set up a wooden Asherah pole beside the altar you build for the Lord your God, and never set up sacred pillars for worship, for the Lord your God hates them. Never sacrifice sick or defective cattle, sheep, or goats to the Lord your God, for He detests such gifts. When you begin living in the towns the Lord your God is giving you, a man or woman among you might do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violate the covenant. For instance, they might serve other gods or worship the sun, the moon, or any of the stars, the forces of heaven, which I have strictly forbidden. When you hear about it, investigate the matter thoroughly. If it is true that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then the man or woman who has committed such an evil act must be taken to the gates of the town and stoned to death, but never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. The witnesses must throw the first stones and all the people may join in. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Suppose a case arises in a local court that is too hard for you to decide, for instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter or a difficult lawsuit or a case involving different kinds of assault. Take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present them to the Levitical priests or the judge on duty at that time. They will hear the case and declare the verdict. You must carry out the verdict they announce and the sentence they prescribe at the place the Lord chooses. You must do exactly what they say. After all, they have interpreted the law and declared their verdict. The sentence they impose must be fully executed. Do not modify it in any way. Anyone arrogant enough to reject the verdict of the judge or the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. In this way, you will purge the evil from Israel. Then everyone else will hear about it and be afraid to act so arrogantly. You are about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think, we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. 
the king must not build up large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses, for the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold for himself. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord as God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel." Remember that the Levitical priests, that is, the whole tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised them. These are the parts of the priests that may claim as their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats that the people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. You must also give to the priests the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. Suppose a Levite chooses to move from his town, his town in Israel, wherever he is living, to the place the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God, just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat a share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his, in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. When the Lord your God destroys the nations, whole land he is giving you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land in the Lord your God is giving you into three districts, with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of these cities of refuge for safety. 
If someone kills another person unintentionally without previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any one of these cities and live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood, and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly since he has never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I'm commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your ancestors, and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you, if you always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile toward a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for that murderer. Purrs from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and the accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in office at the time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and be afraid to do such an evil thing. You must show no pity to the guilty. Your rules should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, or foot for foot. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, Listen to me, all you men of Israel. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, Has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle, and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone here just planted a vineyard, but not yet eaten of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle, and someone else would eat the first fruit. Has anyone here just become engaged to a woman, but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in the battle, and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. When the officers have finished speaking to their troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. 
If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your sword and kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations in the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, destroy every living, every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. When you are in the land the Lord your God is giving you, someone may be found murdered in a field, and you don't know who committed the murder. In such a case, your elders and judges must measure the distance from the site of the crime to the nearby towns. When the nearest town has been determined, that town's elders must select from the herd a heifer that has never been trained or yoked to a plow. They must lead it down to a valley that has not been plowed or planted, and that has a stream running through it. There in the valley they must break the heifer's neck. Then the Levitical priests must step forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister before him and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name. They are to decide all legal and criminal cases. The elders of the town must wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken. Then they must say, Our hands did not shed this person's blood, nor did we see it happen. O Lord, forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. Do not charge your people with the guilt of murdering an innocent person. Then they will be absolved of the guilt in the person's blood. By following these instructions, you will do what is right in the Lord's sight and will cleanse the guilt of murder from your community. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.